I didn't hear too many amens on that 130 thing. I think I heard some oh me's. All right, if you'll take your Bibles this morning and turn to Romans. Romans 15, Romans chapter 15. And it is always such a blessing uh, to be here at Rankin Baptist Temple. Uh, We love this church and uh, we go back a long way. I try to remember when I first started coming up here, uh, I know, um, I think Brother Brower had just left, and y'all were without a pastor, and uh, I came up a few times, and boy, it just became to be a home away from home, and uh, we're just honored to be here. I hope you'll continue to pray for our ministry, and with that in mind, we thank you so much for the support that you faithfully give us every month. And it means so much to us and keeping our ministry going. And, and I don't have to tell you that it's not getting any less expensive to travel. And uh, it, it's becoming a real issue with a lot of people. And uh, the airlines don't seem to be too sympathetic uh, with that. Uh, but uh, God's good. And he uh, he's always does. I like the way Paul said it, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And so thank you so much for your support and for the privilege to uh, be here today. And uh, Patty uh, especially enjoyed uh, Pastor giving her the opportunity to speak to the ladies. Uh, She likes that. And as a matter of fact, for those of you who don't know it, uh, our ministry started out not as the Well International Ministries, but any of you remember? Women of the Well International Ministries, and of course that came out of John 4 and Jesus meeting the woman at the well, and uh, the fulfillment that she got and that everyone can get uh, when they go to the well of living water uh, that Jesus gives uh, to those who put their faith and trust in him. And uh, we were that uh, until uh, 2016, and... uh, the Lord had blessed the ministry, and I was pastoring at the time in, in North Carolina, and the Lord unmistakably gave us direction to do our mission work full-time. So we stepped out on faith, and, uh, and God blessed, and Satan fought. Uh, that's common, isn't it? Uh, he's not going to be for anything that you and I do that would honor the Lord, or that we would serve Him, but... So uh, we had to make some changes. We went from a 501c3 uh, tax-exempt uh, ministry to uh, hooking up with Baptist Missions to Forgotten Peoples in Jacksonville. It's a mission board, and uh, we have enjoyed that. Matter of fact, last year they, uh, they asked if I would serve as an international field administrator uh, for the mission board, uh, which... Um, uh, fits right in with what we do to try to encourage uh, missionaries, uh, national pastors, and um, other folks um, whom we come in contact with, no matter where they may be, and whether that be stateside or international. And so uh, that's where the change came with the Well International Ministries. Women of the Well just didn't quite fit me. And so we went to the Well International Ministries. 
And uh, I told Patty, so how about women of the well, men of the city? Would that work? No, no. <clears throat> but um, God has been good, folks. He always is. And we're thankful that he is continuing uh, to bless the ministry. And I hope you'll pray for us uh, as we travel stateside as well as internationally that God would continue to bless and that we'd be very careful, always careful, uh, to give him the honor and the glory for it. By the way, for those of you who may not know, uh, Facebook folks may know, uh, but we have a new grandson, and uh, his name is Raymond Eli, and uh, he is a fourth-generation Raymond. Uh, my dad was a Raymond, I'm a Raymond, Eli's dad's a Raymond, and we've got Raymond the fourth generation. And so that gives us six grandchildren now, three boys and three girls, and they are all spoiled rotten. And uh, we love them dearly, but we agree with something one guy told me one time, is a preacher, by the way, he said, the headlights are a blessing and so are the taillights. And, but they, they are just a special blessing uh, to all of us. Romans chapter 15, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity once again to open your word. And Father, I, I say with, with all sincerity and pleading for your help, uh, I, I want to handle your word the way you want it handled. And I pray that you'd please speak to my heart, to every heart here today. And Father, I, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know the Lord, that they would say, see their need to accept Christ. As Blake prayed so passionately, passionately a moment ago, uh, that they might trust in Jesus Christ, not in themselves, not in their works, Father, not in religion, but in the one that gives us hope. And, Father, that would be the Lord Jesus. In Him alone we put our faith and trust, and in Him I pray that you would bless everything about this service today. And now for this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're, we were surprised today to have one of our college students from many years ago, Julie. And, Julie, when, when were you at Trinity? A long time, yeah, a long time. Early 80s. And we're not getting any younger, are we? Well, 
to the message, folks, before I feel any older than I am right now. Julie, good to have you here today, by the way. God bless you. Uh, There were once two villages in the Allegheny Mountains, and each village had its own water supply. One village had a very small trickling stream, which in summer, it was reduced to nearly nothing. These villages barely had enough, or this particular village, these villagers that had that little trickle stream, had barely enough to get by. The other village was much different, and at the center of the village, there was a natural fountain fed by an underground stream. The fountain and the village, uh, was bl- the bl- people were blessed by that fountain as it was overflowing regardless of the weather. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus made a very powerful statement. He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. When Jesus said that they might have life, I believe he is unmistakably given reference uh, to the fact that spiritual life Eternal life, the life that we talked about a moment ago that Jesus shared with the woman at the well. It's talking about salvation in Jesus. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus made it very clear. The Bible is not hard to understand. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm thankful for the salvation that I have in Jesus Christ. And I hope you're thankful this morning that uh, your salvation is something that's not temporary. It's not something that you may have today and you may not have tomorrow. I'm glad that Jesus gives us eternal life. No man can take it away from you. No man can take it away from me. But he did not stop there in John 10 when he said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So what is Jesus talking about here? Folks, we've got to understand that there are two villages in life that you and I live in. Every Christian has life. Every person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning has life. You have eternal life. But we've got to ask ask ourselves the question, Is it only a trickle, or is the life that you have in Jesus Christ more abundantly? Is it overflowing? You see, we need to ask ourselves, is our joy like a trickling stream, or is it like a fountain? In the Old Testament, when Israel left the slavery in Egypt, they were pretty excited about that, as you remember, The Bible says that uh, they went out excited with a high hand, and I guess they were giving each other high fives or whatever. Uh, But nonetheless, they were excited. And so as, as they left Egypt, they headed for what God had promised them. It was an abundant life. It was the promised land, a land of abundance. It was just 11 days away. But most of you know what happened. But when they got there and they saw from a distance that the giants were in the land, uh, the spies had gone out. There were 12 of them, as you remember. Ten of them came back with an evil report. 
uh, to Joshua and Caleb came back with a positive report. They did not trust the God that had promised them that they could have a life of abundance if they would obey Him. The journey that should have taken just 11 days took how many days? It took 40 years to get there. Why? What was the problem with that? Was it the problem that Moses refused to stop and and get directions? Guys, we kind of have trouble with that sometimes, don't we? I've got a GPS uh, uh, that, I, that we use in the car when, when we travel, and it's been more than one time that I've said to that GPS, that's not right, and guess who was wrong? I don't want to talk about it. But the fact is, guys, you know how we are sometimes about directions. The problem was not that Moses refused to get directions The problem was unbelief. And when you get right down to it, the problem was settling for less in life. Yeah, God gave them manna. That was wonderful to see how God provided for them in in the wilderness. And He gave them manna. He gave them the quail, the the meat that they needed. Uh, They had shoes on their feet that, that never wore out. But the land of milk and honey... The land with the grapes, the side, the cluster of grapes that these spies had brought back uh, on their journey into the promised land. Uh, the cluster was so large, if you recall, two men had to carry the thing. And so what they were doing is that the size of the grapes that they were carrying was an indication of the goodness of the land. It was a reminder to them that God was faithful with His promise, and if they would be faithful to Him... They could enter the promised land if they just would not settle for scraps. But that's what they ended up choosing. They had the manna and the meat in the wilderness for 40 years when they could have been in the promised land. And so we bring ourselves to a question, I believe a very important question that we need to ask ourselves, and that is, what's Jesus doing for us? Well, He did for us... By giving us what? Life. John 10 said, Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life. But Jesus wants to do more than just give you life today. He wants to do more than just give me life today. He wants to not only do something for us, He wants to do something in us. You see, that's the abundant life that Jesus was talking about there in John 10. And and so as we look at this passage that we've read this morning... Uh, What did Jesus do for us? Well, let me say, first of all, He made promises to the Jews. In verse 8 here, we see that circumcision is mentioned. Of course, that's giving reference to the Jews. Fathers is mentioned, and that's giving reference to the Jewish patriarchs uh, that had gone before these people. We see that in verse 8. And some 333 prophecies in the Old Testament have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was, when uh, uh, he was talking about here, John was talking about confirming the promises. He's talking about these prophecies. And these prophecies had been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Details, big details, like the place and circumstances of his death, uh, his birth, everything about his life, how, even how he would die on the cross. 
What are the odds of these prophecies, 333 of them, being fulfilled in one person? What are the odds of that? Well, Peter Stoner, a Christian mathematician, said the odds of just eight prophecies being fulfilled in one person would be one-tenth to the 28th power. What's that? That's a one with 28 zeros behind it. Let me put it better this way. It's like the entire state of Texas being covered knee-high with silver dollars. One of them has a mark on it. Blindfold a man and give him one chance to find it. That's just with eight prophecies being fulfilled. We have 333. We see here that he came, Jesus came, to confirm the promises. Folks, don't let anyone ever make fun of you for believing in Jesus. You know, we are living in a very intellectual age these days, uh, but the Bible describes some of them as, as wise becoming fools. But we've got to understand that the most logical and intellectual conclusion you can ever come to this morning is the fact that Jesus is God. He came to the Jew first. Because He chose them. He chose them not as a bucket to fill, but as a pipe to flow through for the benefit of all others. For the entire world. For us. This is the promises that He has given. The prophecies also to the Gentiles. We see this in verse 9, the first part of the verse, that He says that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. Now, what is that saying? That is saying that the Gentiles might be saved. Is anyone happy about that this morning? That I'm thankful that uh, Jesus came and He died, and God made it so clear when He said, For God, I love the world. God said this, that the world through Jesus Christ might be saved. Folks, we have a message to bear today. And Paul reveals from the Old Testament the salvation that he has promised to us. That he has promised of the Gentiles. And folks, we've got to understand, God doesn't have any afterthoughts. And the salvation of the Gentiles, your salvation and mine, was not an afterthought with God, but was part of his plan all along. Paul gives us some rapid fire quotes here, and we won't go to the references for the sake of time, but in in verse 9, the latter part of the verse, it is a quote from Psalm 1849. Verse 10 is a quote from Deuteronomy 32:43. Verse 11 is a quotation from Psalms 117:1. Verse 12 is Isaiah 11:10. What do we need to see about these rapid things that I just gave you from the Old Testament? Folks, we need to notice that these quotes are from the law, these quotes are from the Psalms and the prophets. And all three witnesses establish this. He came, He came for us all, and we would ask the question, why? That you and I might be born again. That we might be saved. And in verse 13 now, we've got to see, though, 
that he says that he wants us not only to be saved, not only to have life, but he wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to have a life that is described in verse 13 that speaks of joy, that speaks of peace and hope. What is it? Abounding. Abounding, full and overflowing. Look at this verse again with you. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may be abound that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 13 speaks of the God of hope. That's the source of our abundant life. There's no other source. We've got to get that message to the world. That no bottle, no pill, no person, money can't do it. The only hope for this world is Jesus Christ. God has a monopoly on the abundant life. And folks, we've got to understand that we're not going to outsmart Him. No man is going to outsmart Him to find another way around it. It is only going to come through Jesus Christ. I read an article uh, and an illustration about Arnold Palmer, the famous golfer. And uh, he had uh, opportunity to speak at the National Association of Blind Golfers. Can you imagine guys playing golf blind? There's a sad thing about that. Most of them play better golf than I do in being able to see. But Arnold Palmer was speaking at this association. And here's how they did it. A bell was rung at the pin, that's the hole, where, where you want the golf to go that my golf ball seems to have a hard time finding. They, they, would, they would ring a bell at the pin at, at the hole and these blind golfers would golf toward it. They would golf toward the sound of that bell. Their leader challenged Arnold Palmer to play their best golfer for a $10,000 prize to the charity of their choice. Well, to Arnold Palmer, being the great golfer that he was, it just didn't seem fair for him to play a blind golfer. So he said, all right, all right, I'll do it, but I'll agree with it. And so naturally, he would ask the guy, when's tea time? When are we going to start this? To which the leader of these blind golfers said, 10 p.m. tomorrow night. (laughs) So what what is that saying? Someone has said you can't beat a man at his own game. And folks, we've got to understand this morning that God is the expert at the game of life which He originated. In Genesis 2-7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul, an individual complete in body and spirit. He created physical life, spiritual life, And folks, He wants us to have the abundant life, the source of abundant life. And then the scope of abundant life. Look at verse 13 again. And we see these words, joy, peace, and hope. Do you understand that the world is spending a fortune trying to get these three things? We've got to understand this morning that joy doesn't come from people. 
Joy doesn't come from possessions or places. Now, all of those are, are good things that can make us happy. Uh, I, like, um, I like being around good people. I like being here. You make me happy. But as much as I love you this morning, you are not the source of my joy. I enjoy traveling. I, I enjoy seeing the beautiful creations of God and, 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 and being with, with, with God's people. And God blesses. But we've got to understand there are a lot of people, most people in this world today are looking for joy in all the wrong places. You see, he says peace. And when we think of this word peace, I'm getting ahead of myself, he speaks of joy and how we get true joy from Jesus Christ. Then he speaks of peace. And we need to understand that there's two kinds of peace. There's the peace of God, and there's peace with God. And you've got to understand this morning that you cannot experience the peace of God until you make peace with God. You see, there's a state of hostility between man's sinfulness and God's holiness. We've got to understand that theologically we are enemies before we're saved. Before we are saved, we are enemies of the God of heaven. Romans 8, verses 6 through 8, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So this is saying before salvation, we are actively hostile toward God, and that we do not submit ourselves to Him. So what happens? Paul said, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Lost people usually don't feel at war with God. Now today there are some who are openly hostile toward God. And it, I cringe to think and hear some of the blasphemous things that, that, that people say about God. One in particular that has stuck in my mind uh, a woman who has a, a literal hatred for God is Kathy Griffin, uh, uh, an actress who when she received her, her uh, Emmy a number of years ago, uh, she, for whatever reason, just out of the blue, said that I know a lot of people come on this platform and said, I thank God for giving me this. And she said, I want you to know uh, God had nothing to do with me getting this. Instead of blasphemous statement that I will not even say publicly about Jesus this morning. But for the most part, lost people consider themselves neutral. But the Bible says that there's no such thing as a neutrality toward God. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. But folks, here's the good side of this. War can be ended with the help of a mediator. And that is Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and, Christ, uh, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. What do you have to say about that? Well, I'll tell you what I've got to say about it in a song. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. Hallelujah. 
That comes through our mediator, the Lord Jesus, and brings the tranquility of our soul that a lost person does not have. And folks, even when we do not give ourselves wholly to Jesus, we are missing out on a tranquility that can help us be free from worry and full of faith in the most difficult times of our life. You see, peace comes from the word putting together. Worry comes from words meaning pulling apart. I am thankful this morning that the peace that God gives is an inner calm beyond understanding. We have some dear friends close to our heart that are going through difficult times right now. And folks, no matter what you're going through, there is a peace that God can give you that your closest friend, your, your best ally in this life that tries to help you with your problem, with their comfort, nothing comes anywhere close to the comfort that they can have in Jesus Christ when they are trusting in the abundant life that Jesus offers the person who is sold out to Him. You know, sad to say, some may choose to live a life of worry, But folks, we've got to choose to march and live in the palace of peace that God offers. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, Casting all your care upon Him. What does it say next? For He careth for you. I read the story about two birds who were up in a tree. Said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. I was listening to a song recently, and the words of the song go in the direction of, If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, don't you know he'll carry you? And when Jesus was on the cross, making that sacrifice for us to pay a price that we could not pay. We've got to understand that He is the same faithful God who will carry us through the difficult times that we face in life. Joy, peace, and looking again at verse 13, hope. Here in this verse, let me read it again. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Here in verse 13 is the only place where God is called the God of hope. You know, we've got to understand this morning as you sit here in this service, as we sing songs that we've enjoyed today, and as you listen to a gospel message We've got to be reminded that as believers, we have an endless hope and the world has a hopeless end. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've got to yield to that hope by giving, to your, giving your life to Jesus Christ. The hope. Hope's a word that can be misunderstood, is it not? I mean, we can say, and some of you may have a garden and you might be saying... Uh, Boy, I sure hope it rains today. Well, I think we've got plenty of rain coming about the middle of this next week where we all might be getting a touch of that storm out out in the Gulf. 
But we need to understand this word hope here in this verse is not like that. It's not a verb. It's a noun. It's not something you do, but it's something you and I possess. You see, the ability to face the future with confidence is because we are trusting in the promises of a faithful God. The same God who had promised the children of Israel, I will carry you through this wilderness and I'll offer you an abundant life in the promised land. If you'll just believe me. Folks, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And we can put our faith and trust in Him and know that He does all things well. The use of drugs and alcohol are on the rise today, offering absolutely no hope. We're all moved by the news that we hear every day of the thousands of people who are dying as a result of fentanyl and other drugs. We've got to understand this morning that the hope of America, and if you're like me, you're concerned this morning about the hope of America. Things are in a mess right now. But we've got to understand that the hope of America is not in the White House. It's in God's house. It's in your house. It's in my house. We've got to understand that God is ready to accomplish and do great things when we yield to the words of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, that's talking about us folks, the hope of America, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive your sin and will heal their land. If you have Christ, no matter what the future holds, you have the confidence this morning, I have the confidence of knowing that it will be worked out for our good. You see... If you don't have Christ this morning, the future looks bad. If you have Him, if you're saved, your life is an express train on its way to one destination, and that's heaven. You see, God the Father promised the abundant life. God the Son purchased the abundant life. God the Holy Spirit provides the abundant life. Verse 13. In believing. You see those two words? In believing. What kept Israel from entering the promised land? We've already said it earlier in the message. What was it? Unbelief. Fast forward 40 years, and here they are again at the edge of Jordan. Would they believe? They had to step into the water. Remember? They had to step into the water before it would part. We see these words here in believing. Folks, we've got to ask ourselves seriously this morning, what is Jesus doing for you as a believer? Do you have life or are you experiencing the abundant life that God wants all of us to have this morning? Your relationship with Jesus Christ is eternal. But the message this morning has largely been concerned about our fellowship with Jesus Christ. The relationship is secure, eternal, settled. The relationship 
going into the fellowship, the fellowship involves whether or not you and I as believers this morning are settling in our Christian life being just a trickling stream or an overflowing fountain. The two villages. The choice is ours. The choice is ours this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? In just a moment, we'll have an invitation, and I I would invite anyone this morning who does not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior to step out in the invitation and come forward. And there are people who love you who take the Bible and show you how you can have life. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. He's speaking to you this morning. And then he's also speaking to those of us who need to yield ourselves completely and grab hold of the flowing fountain that God wants us to have as an abundant life in our fellowship with Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts this morning. Thank you for salvation, full and free. Thank you for the life that is offered to those this morning who does not know Jesus. Help them to accept him as their personal Savior today. And Father, for those who already have life in Christ, oh, Father, burden us, convict us. Help us this morning to not be settled with scraps. But Father, help us to truly want the bounty of the promised land, the abundant life that we can have in Jesus Christ. And Father, that it would make our life an exciting thing. And that that excitement would spill over into those around us who do not know the Lord. And that they would want to drink from the fountain, that bountiful fountain that you have blessed us with. Oh God, help us today. Speak to our hearts. Meet every need, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together and as the pianist plays, if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you'd like to come forward, maybe have someone pray with you or just quietly pray here yourself here at the altar. Feel free to come at this time.
as previously mentioned, always a privilege to have the Appleby family with us. We appreciate that. At this time, Christmas in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I pray that we'll always be ever-presently mindful of those things, Lord, that we will always be thankful, Lord, that we'll, we'll do and not just hear. Lord, thank you again for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. In your precious name, amen. Thank you.